previously on There There. In my haze, I tried to keep him in my eye line, and I could swear that I saw him in the alleyway on the opposite side of the street, scurrying up the side of a building. When I turned back in the other direction to see what I had just done, the alley was empty of the body I had just laid down, gone. And so was the smell, and so I turned to the only smell there was. I looked at you, and your eyes were delicate and quivering, and there was a deep somberness of them that exceeded the pain I had just caused you. And there we lie on the street looking at each other for something that the other did not possess, but we were entranced. And that was when I heard your voice, yet you did not speak. Help me. That's when I knew you were about to tell me your story. You're listening to There There, Episode 2, The Helpless. As I knelt beside you, I extended my hand. It's the least I could do. I wanted to follow Noah, but I couldn't leave you. Now that I knew he was out there, and he knew that I knew, I was certain that I would see him again. And I'm also certain that he would try to hide in my periphery, but it wouldn't work anymore. You hesitated, and I saw the uncertainty in your eyes. There was sadness, fear, pain, and anger all locked inside of your eyes beyond anything my actions would have created. Please, I need your help. It's never their voice that I hear, mind you. It's always their thoughts, and they appear in my voice, in my head, like a telepathy of sorts. You accepted my extended hand, and I felt your warmth and then your smell, like I was holding a warm cup of hot chocolate with marshmallows after you let it sit for a moment. You knew that drinking it too soon would burn your upper lip and your tongue if some made it past. You held on to me for an inordinate amount of time and the pressure of your grip intensified, and I couldn't help but think about how I held you not so long ago, that face, my other, and the mirror, and what the mirror showed me about you and about me. Was that me? Was that who I was and who I had become? I was benevolent, I swear. You would have done the same thing. You had the screwdriver too. Red and black is a friend of Jack. And before I knew it, you were standing above me with the morning light illuminating you from behind. You wore the halo as the cliché permitted, and with your tightened grip, you pulled me up. Isabel. That was your name, and you pronounced the B with a slight V sound, and the sound of your name, like your hand, also warmed my heart. I tried to pronounce it as you did in my mind, but I couldn't get the V sound right, and so I avoided saying your name. As we sat in the coffee shop, we didn't say much. Maybe it was the days of what had just happened. Where are you? You aren't here with me. I need you to pay attention. That's what you do, right? I played the whole night and morning in my head. I was exhausted and my focus was on those events, not you sitting here opposite me. I reached into my pocket and felt the cool, smooth grooves of the screwdriver. Red and black is a breath of Jack. Focus. Her name is not Jack. It's Isabel. But say the V right. He's right. Focus. The screwdriver. Did it have blood on it? Did I have blood on me? I must have had some of your blood on me, but then maybe she thought it was a blood from the fall. And when I turned to look for you, you were gone. Where did you go? Where was your body? And my brain began to work in overdrive. The lack of sleep didn't help. The strongly brewed coffee fueled my thoughts. Weren't you dead? I laid your body down in the alley, the blood streaming from your body as your life ended. But when I looked back, you were gone. Where did your body go? You had to be dead. Maybe the wound wasn't fatal, and so I needed to know. I'm not sure what else happened during that conversation in the coffee shop. You spoke, but I didn't hear your words. I couldn't help but think of the screwdriver in my hand that must have had your blood on it. Turn to loose screws. Is she a loose screw too? Did she see what you did to me? 
I turned the loose screw until I could turn it no more, until you were no more, and even if I didn't know you, I missed you. And I left you in the alley to die alone, but when I looked back, you were gone. Where did you go? With Noah? To the ark? And Noah was gone too, gone before I can get any answers. And when you left me in the coffee shop, we exchanged numbers just in case either one of us had a concussion and wanted to sue the other. You left me in a bigger haze than when we collided in the street. Did we hug? Did we shake hands? How did we leave in a way that was socially appropriate? People often say that I am socially awkward, but I don't understand that assertion because I think the data doesn't support it. For example, I get texts from people with no salutation, no greeting. Just a question. My response, good morning before my answer to their question. That's my way of reminding them. There must be a greeting. There's pleasantries that need to be had first. I know this. Why don't they? I know the answer. It's because people at times aren't methodical. A thought comes to them and they act. They have internal conversations way before they speak to me and they wonder why I'm behind or confused. It's because I'm new to the conversation that they've started in their head. They need to rewind or slow down or know that the thoughts that exist in their head exist differently than they do in reality. So they usually don't start with good morning. I'm here to remind them. I stood in front of the coffee shop thinking about this and why I was the odd one and when I was about to overthink it, a thought re-entered my mind. Did I just kill that man? And for no reason? Just what was I thinking? Am I mad? And I felt sick, so I walked because I needed to feel the cool morning air on my face, something to ground me, something to wake me up to what was happening in reality and not in my mind. I walked until I passed that alleyway, the alleyway that was insignificant until it wasn't, and I couldn't help but go down that path. It felt different. I inhaled deeply to see if I could still smell you, but there were no remnants. In fact, it was pristine, too pristine for an alley in the city. I walked through it looking for some remnants of you, but I couldn't find anything. Even the broken mirror fragments were gone. I searched the ground. No body, no blood. Did you really exist? Was I mad? I looked over my own clothing for some evidence of our struggle, some remnants of your blood. There had to be some of your blood on my clothing, some trace, but as much as I searched, I could not find any. I looked around some more until I found it. I couldn't see it until I heard the whir of the hydraulics. I looked away momentarily at the source of the sound, at the alley across the street. The garbage bin over there was being hoisted into the air. And I looked down and that is when I saw it. It wasn't obvious as artifacts are always wont to hide. But it was there, hiding in the periphery that didn't exist anymore for people like you and me. There was a shard of the mirror that we shattered and it was trying to hide under the garbage bin. But the sliver caught a ray of sunlight and shined, revealing its location. I approached the bin and pushed it enough to reveal the fragment. It was much larger than I thought, about four inches. And as I held it up, I saw the portion of me that such a piece would provide. Just a sliver of me. That's all there was. Incomplete as I deserved to be. I took the piece and placed it in my pocket. I continued to walk down the alleyway until I approached the street. I looked across where Noah continued but I could not because I ran into you and knocked us both into oblivion. And so I followed his path as best as my memory would allow. I crossed the street and entered the alley on the opposite side. The garbage truck roughly placing the bin back in place and moving on to the next. As I cautiously moved through, I looked around for Noah until I reached the area where he climbed the building. I know what that sounds like, trust me, I do, but that is what happened. I examined the brick wall for anything, claw marks, stains, a substance of some sort, anything. And that is when I smelled it. That is when I smelled you. It made sense though. It was smoky with a hint of chocolate, like roasted coffee beans. I would have dismissed it because of my proximity to the coffee shop, but it was different. Something was off about it, but I couldn't tell. I only knew that it was off and so I placed my hand on the building and it was warmer than it should have been for a morning in the spring. I moved my hand along the wall and felt a pattern of warmth until I found the hottest part. It was significantly warmer than the rest of the building and when I stopped moving horizontally at the epicenter of heat, 
I moved my hand and the warmth continued up the wall. Looking around, I did the only thing I could do. I climbed the dumpster so that I could reach the ladder of the fire escape. What time was it? Did I have somewhere to be? Didn't I have meetings this morning or a presentation? Tighten the loose screws. But the scent of the toasted chocolatey coffee beans took over and I reached the lowest rung of the ladder and pulled myself up and reached the first landing in the 10-story building. What has happened to me in the last few days? How many days has it been? When I reached the last landing, there was a vertical ladder that led up to the roof. I thought about the concept of the fire escape. If the building was on fire, why would I want to go to the roof? Wouldn't I want to go down to the ground? Did it presuppose that people would be hanging out on the roof and then need to descend? Would I go to the roof so that a helicopter could land and help me escape the burning building? Would they really send a helicopter? And if the helicopter came and there were too many people, how would we decide who would go first? Would Noah be there? Would he decide? As I pulled myself up onto the roof, I smelled the coffee beans, over-roasted but not quite charred, and I continued to move until I felt the heat under my feet. It was Noah. The warmth of his touch left an imprint on the floor of the roof as well. I tried to follow the heat of his steps, but the stride was too long for me to reach. It was odd that I hadn't noticed him before. Although the smell was subtle, it was there and the warmth was unmistakable, especially this time of year. Your path was irregular, but eventually led me not to the direct opposite side, but ended at the corner of the building to the east. And I stood in your last step, and then there were no more steps. I knelt down to see if I could feel the warmth on either side of the building where you might have descended, but there was nothing. You stood here, and then you were gone. I closed my eyes to see you in my mind. Did you have wings and I failed to notice? I stood and tried to smell you, and the roasted coffee beans were now stronger than ever, and I tried to trace it to its origins, and when I thought I found the source, a look of disappointment immediately registered on my face. It was the coffee shop, deceived by my olfactory sense. When I tried to smell again, it was no use. I tried to detect that slight difference between the coffee brewing and the coffee shop in your scent. Your scent was slightly more roasty than the coffee shop, so although they were similar, they were not. I could distinguish the subtlety of difference. I continued to look at the coffee shop and I heard your voice again. Help me. And there you were, standing outside of the shop. Not long after I left you, you entered again. Why did you go back? Did you forget something? Were you looking for me? I took a double take just to make sure that it was you and then I left the roof to see you again. When I entered the coffee shop, I saw you sitting there, but you were not alone. You sat with the man with the cool blue shirt and his back toward me. I tried to see your face, but he obscured it. So I went to the register to order a coffee and take a better look at you, but I didn't want to be obvious. I ordered a drink and the woman apologized. They were brewing a fresh batch and that is when the grinding started. First the whirring and I watched the woman. She took a bag of coffee beans and poured them into the grinder. The initial cracking sound gave way to a consistent popping, blending then sounded like teeth chattering, and the smell that accompanied it was beautifully overpowering. The large sand-like powder poured from the mouth of the grinder into a bin. Slowly, the bin filled, and when it was full, the woman exchanged it for another, and then another woman took the filled bin and began to brew coffee. But I was focused on the first woman. She took the sack again and filled the grinder and continued to fill it, and when each bin was full, she replaced it with another. I looked at the woman grinding the coffee and the woman brewing the coffee. They each wore a black shirt with an earthen-colored apron and black slacks. According to their name tags, the grinder was Nadia and the brewer was Diana. I looked closely, and they appeared similar. Were they twins? And even though their hair was different, Nadia had short hair and Diana had long wavy black hair with a streak of purple near the ear, they shared facial similarities. I focused on them until Diana slipped the coffee across the counter, and when I turned around you were gone, just like that, in a matter of moments. I grabbed my coffee and left the shop. Didn't I tell you? I need your help. What's the point of talking to you if you won't listen to me? I thought you were different. I thought you could hear me. I thought you were someone else.
I took a sip of the coffee and walked toward my apartment in my recent unpredictable way. I sit outside across the street looking for anything out of the ordinary. Anything or anyone that shouldn't be there. But I knew there was really only one thing that I should be worried about. One thing. One person. One creature. Whatever you were. Noah was the name I assigned to you because it made the most sense. Eventually, when we meet again, I'll ask you your name, and I will get to the bottom of this. When I was convinced you were not there, I made my way to my apartment, and once inside, I locked the door and wedged a chair under the doorknob just in case. After all, my other made his way in with no problem, and he probably had a key. All he had to do was go to the manager and say he was locked out, pay the $15 for a replacement key, and that was it. I checked the windows next. If you could climb the walls, then access to my apartment through the window would be just as easy as my door. I realized that this place didn't make any sense anymore. It was compromised. I wasn't safe here, and every time I came back, you could be here waiting for me. I looked around for the things that I needed to take with me. I took a bag and piled in more clothes. And then I looked around for anything that might have been sentimental to me. What had meaning to me? I went from room to room, but I had difficulty finding anything that meant anything. No pictures from my childhood. My mom detested pictures, and thus I inherited her body dysmorphia. Nothing from my first marriage. Nothing. No attachments to anything. Was that it? Was that why Noah wanted me? Because I had nothing, nothing that I needed to carry into tomorrow, into the new world. Just me to start anew. No need for a fresh start with a heavy heart from lost loved ones. I was already a blank slate. When I left my apartment for the last time, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel sad or angry or lost. Nothing. And for a moment, I thought I was incapable of feeling anything. When was the last time I felt something? You have me. I am here with you. And you will always have me. Even after I'm gone. Even after what you did to us. I will always be with you. And so I left with only one place to go. And when I entered your apartment, I looked around. It had been days since anyone had been here, and the smell of stagnancy was pungent. I looked around for anything that stood out. Who were you? I looked for pictures of you and your family and your friends, to find the people in your life, to find the people that would never see you again. I did that. I took you away from them. But as hard as I looked, I couldn't find them. I couldn't find a picture, a note, a link to other people. You were just like me in this. Detached from any relations, detached from any significant others in your life, was that the hallmark? Was that what made us special? You are special. So was he. So am I. And so was Noah. I looked around the bedroom. There must be something here that made you special and I saw it. It was there just like it was in my room. The snail shell. Why would he have this? What significance did this have to him? And for a moment I thought that maybe he had taken it from my apartment, but that was not possible. And a part of me wanted to go back to see if mine was still there, even if it wasn't quite safe. I'm not sure why it had any significance to me. But it was there and so I took it. I needed it to remind me of him, to remind me of me. And years from now I could look back at this to see if what I had done was the right thing to do. I picked it up gently and placed it in my pocket. As I placed my other hand in my pocket, I felt the contents, the screwdriver and the long piece of mirror. Where are you? I thought you were well aware that I needed your help. You called out to me again, but it was too late. I was tired. It had been such a long day, perhaps the longest day in my life. Benevolent, malevolent, I would be defined by a prefix. I could only think of another day that was as long as this. Actually, I could think of two, both when my mother got sick. The day she went into the hospital and the day I turned off the ventilator. Now today, I ended another life, the three longest days in my life. My unpredictable route home was met with no resistance. I returned to my hotel and fell asleep as soon as I hit the bed. I didn't even need to close the blackout curtains. But the sleep didn't last throughout the night. For I woke up at some point in paralyzed panic, and although I didn't know what time it was, I knew you were there. I could smell you. Hot chocolate with marshmallows. 
You must have been hiding in the corner like he did in my apartment, like I did in his. And now you are here, doing the same thing, proving a point. Proving that you knew what I knew, what he knew, but all less than what no one knew. I reached behind my pillow and felt my growing collection. The shell, the long piece of mirror, and the screwdriver. Red and black as a friend of Jack. How did that turn out for you? I smelled you, and then I heard you. Breathing softly, trying not to give away that you were there, but I could hear you. And so I grabbed the screwdriver and waited. You can hear me, can't you? And then you give up your position. You came out from the shadows. I'm so tired. Do you know how tired I am? Just think of how tired you are. This is only the beginning for you. I've been at this a lot longer and it never changes. I'm tired of running and I'm tired of hiding in the shadows. I want you to see me. I want to rest. You walked in the moonlight, the damn moonlight. I didn't have the chance to close the curtains. You stood there softly illuminated for a moment and then you walked to the window so that the moon provided more light on your face. I wish I could go back before all of this. I would have done things differently. I would be happier. And you smiled, and your smile illuminated the room even more so. I could see your features prominently now, and I could see your reflection in the window, and I could swear that your reflection did not smile as you did. It was angry with you, or me, or both of us. And you felt my stare on you in your reflection, and you became self-conscious and looked down. I am so tired. You reached for the draw rod on the curtain and proceeded to close it, illuminating the light in the room. My heart began to race loud enough for you to hear it. Don't worry. I am not here to hurt you like the rest. I just want to sleep for a little bit, please. They don't know I'm here. It's safe, I promise. I could see your shadow inching toward me, and again I moved between the shell, the shard of mirror, and the screwdriver, settling on the mirror this time. I just didn't know. You stood over me for an eternity and slowly crept toward me still. I held onto that piece of mirror until it slowly pierced my skin. And still you came even closer to me until you lifted the blankets and slid into bed with me. You turned your back to me and reached behind you to reach for my arm. You pulled me closer to you so that I had no choice but to hold you. And I held on to you for the night. You and the piece of mirror. And I fell asleep not knowing whether I felt comfort in you or the mirror or both. Good morning. Goodbye. Same thing. I heard your voice, but you were gone. The curtains were open again, and I didn't know if you were ever really with me in the room or in my dreams. I would never know the answer to this question. I kept the pattern of returning to my hotel room in off hours. I knew you were gone and wondered if I would ever see you again. I knew that Noah was still out there, and if you knew where I lived, then maybe he did too. And I felt that trap again. The trap of living in the snow globe, entertainment for him and anyone else that worked for him. Did you work for him? Were you working on his behalf? I left and returned only for necessity, and when I left, I made sure I wasn't followed. I always went to the coffee shop and made sure to enjoy a cup looking at everyone who entered the shop. I entered with a coat, left with a sweater and a hat. Subtle wardrobe changes. And when I walked around the city enough to change my route so that it was unpredictable, I made it back to my hotel room. I wondered how long I could keep this up. How much money did I have to sustain two lives? I had been using vacation and sick time at work. Those were finite. Money was finite. And with finite resources, I could not go on this way infinitely. And the next morning when I got up, I thought twice about making coffee in the room. The coffee maker worked, and there were coffee pods, even though I wouldn't let the maid in the room to clean and restock. I had always asked for pods when I saw her going from room to room. I thought that maybe I should change rooms periodically, and eventually change hotels, just in case. As I lifted the pod, I thought that I might run into you if I went to the coffee shop, and then you would confirm if you were in my bed or not. And so I placed the pod down. I took a shower, more of a rinse than a shower, because I wanted to see you. I wanted to smell you, even if your smell would be competing with the coffee from the shop. When I entered the shop, you were already there with your back towards me. 
Your wavy, dark hair appeared slightly damp, perhaps mirroring my anticipation of seeing you. I grabbed my coffee from Diana and moved toward you since you were sitting alone. I sat opposite you and you lowered your head. I was unsure if this was protest guilt or pretension or possibly a combination of the three. And then I heard the grinder and your smell was drowned out by the freshly ground coffee and you got up out of your seat and you left. But before you left, you looked at me with a face that I would not forget too soon. Help me. I stood seated. I didn't know what to do. We didn't even speak. It was like you were a stranger to me. And it occurred to me at that point that maybe you were too. At times you smiled, at times you ignored me. Different, too. And that could only mean one thing, that you were different because you were too. It was so subtle. The same but different, like that magazine we saw as a kid. Two pages with the same images with some slight changes. You must circle the differences. A kid was at the bottom of the slide on the page on the left, and on the right he was at the top of the slide. They were different. It took time, but if you're paying attention, you saw the differences, all of them. I excelled at this, and that is why I noticed you and your other. It must have been Noah. You were sent by Noah. He sent at least one of you to follow me, maybe both of you. Maybe both of you were already guaranteed passage on the ark, and so you did his bidding. And my crashing into you was not happenstance. My new word, happenstance. Something that seems coincident, yet it is not so. You were not coincidence. You were not happenstance. You are a part of my life now because Noah willed it so. I need you. I left the coffee shop to follow you. I saw you cross the street and enter the alleyway. The alleyway. And so I followed you in there. Your steps were slow and deliberate, almost rhythmic. And you walked the length of the alley without looking back, without stopping. And when you reached the end of the alley, you finally turned around. Your face was tormented. Who did this to you? Was it your other? Was it Noah? I would like to have words with both of them. But your look of sorrow suddenly turned to a look of guilt. I'm sorry. And then you looked through me, like I wasn't there, or worse yet, like I didn't even exist. And you made eye contact with someone beyond me. And so I turned around, and I saw you too. Your other. She stood there with a smirk that was ominous, and then she began to approach me. And when I turned around to face you again, you also began to approach me, but slowly, hesitantly, weighed down with the burden of guilt. And I was stuck as you both closed in on me when you both stopped short of your convergence. You looked at me, then you looked at each other, and then you looked up. I followed your eyelines to the top of the building, and there you were. Noah. You stood crouching at the top of the building like a stone gargoyle. You barely moved and I could swear that your jacket was bulging from your back as if you were hiding folded wings. A gargoyle you were. Like stone, like you were chiseled out of fine granite. But as fearful as the gargoyles appeared to be, they served a practical purpose. They were the protectors in a way. They protected the buildings from water damage. They had a channel that ended at the opening of the mouth so that the gargoyles spewed water away from the building, preserving it from water damage. On one hand, it meant that the water was redirected away from the building, and on the other, it meant that oftentimes it fell onto unsuspecting pedestrians. One benefited, and another suffered. Causality. Duality. Balance. The word gargoyle's derivation is confusing. It can be said that it is derived from the French word gargouille, meaning throat, which the water spews forth from. But there is another derivation, la gargouille, an old legend about a dragon. A priest vanquished a dragon in the name of Christianity and used his head to ward off evil. And there you stood. Were you here to spew on humanity the verdict of the heavens or to ward off evil? For the time being, I was forced to accept the latter notion since the former might assume that it was evil. I focused my attention to you, and then I heard your voice. You need to do something. You can't just stay motionless. Now is not the time to be afraid. Now is the time to move. Move. Move? Move where? Move away? Move toward? And I saw the garbage bin and the fire escape ladder. And before the two of you can close on me, I ran to the garbage bin and leaped onto it, grabbing the fire escape ladder and ascending it as fast as humanly was possible. I didn't look down, but I could hear what was happening. I could hear the beating of the feet on the steel steps, 
hurriedly but arrhythmic, and I could hear the claws on a brick like nails on a chalkboard, climbing faster than the clank of the steps on the fire escape. Luckily, I had a head start, so I arrived at the rooftop before the two of you, and when I got there, you were nowhere to be found. Where was the gargoyle? Where was Noah? Where was this protector? He was here. I saw him. Where did he go? And I looked beyond my immediacy and saw him beyond. He ran and ran until he was no longer on the roof. I saw him as he disappeared into the air, jumping off the corner of the building as he must have done previously. It was a pattern. He was on this building, and he had traveled in the same pattern. That's what I did. I sought out patterns, and this was his, on this building, to leap from the corner and disappear. But in his disappearance, you appeared. One of you appeared. Help me. Help me, and I can help you. I heard your voice, but it was never in your voice. It remained in mine, and I was always curious as to why I would hear your voice in my own. Maybe that was my way of processing a filter so I could retain my sanity. After all, I wouldn't be able to hear your voice in my head. That wouldn't make any sense. And so I heard your voice in my own, and that is the way it was. You have to trust me. We don't have much time. I can hear your thoughts too. Do you think you are the only one with the gift? I need your help. How can I help you? You can help me by helping yourself. That's what this is about. I don't need your help. You need my help. Don't you get it? You're helpless. You're helpless out there as long as he is out there. And when I saw you this time, I saw you differently. Your smile wasn't a friendly smile. It was a forced smile, like you were being watched. Like you were forced to smile at me because of what you were about to do. That was it, what you were about to do. How did I not see this? You were a plant. He put you up to this so that you can get rid of me. I was only valuable in pairs with my other. When my other was gone, I became useless. But I knew of him, and he needed to eliminate me. And I thought about you and the encounters we have had so far. They were few, but they were off, in a way that I couldn't understand. Not like unique encounters, but more like unique circumstances. You were working together, the two of you. You had met your other and you had an understanding to work together, to do Noah's bidding. It was the rule of the two. But which of you was here with me on this rooftop right now? How could I really tell, with a degree of certainty? And I thought back about the interactions, ever so slight but off. Not noticeable to others, but noticeable to me. Behaviorally, they were off. Quantifiable, observable, operationally definable. There were two of you. And that's why I only heard the voices half of the time. Only one of you needed help. And so here you were, one of you at least, the other close behind. I tried to listen for your voice inside my head, telling me, guiding me, but there was too much noise, too much going on. I couldn't quiet my mind. You approached me and I did what I did purely in benevolent self-preservation. You must remember the work I do will always be done in benevolence. You sprang toward me and grabbed me and pushed me to the edge of the building until we were both at the edge. You held me tight like you did that first time we met. My heart raced and I couldn't focus. You continued to move us closer to the edge when you did something I didn't expect. You reversed our positions so that you were the one on the edge and you loosened your grip. And as you loosened your grip, I tightened mine, inadvertently latching onto a bracelet that you were wearing. It took just you leaning backward to do the rest. The bracelet broke off as you fell. I tried not to look at you. I was left standing by the ledge with nothing more than the bracelet you had intentionally gifted me. Was this another loose screw I turned, hoping in the depths of my soul that it was the right screw? I heard your voice for the last time, and with all the noise, I couldn't tell whose voice it was. Yours, your other, mine. Help me. Your other never appeared on the rooftop, and I'm not sure why. Was it because she was now free of you, and she could live her life without fearing your existence? Or was it because of the commotion down below, and she knew that the police would be soon arriving? I looked for Noah in the immediacy of my surrounding, the neighboring streets to see what path he might have taken, but it was useless. And so I brought in my scan, still nothing. It was only when I panned the furthest reaches of the city, I saw the only thing that made sense. The port in the harbor. And there it was, the biggest ship there. A cargo freighter with stacks upon stacks of cargo containers. 
It was a modern ark ready to take two of each, pairs yet opposites to the next phase of society, and I could swear that I heard your voice. Getting warm. And so without my other, I was an individual, not part of any pair, and with no illusion of choice, I left the rooftop to make my way to the port. Thank you.